Welcome to the Clinician Researcher Podcast, where academic clinicians learn the skills to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. As clinicians, we spend a decade or more as trainees learning to take care of patients. When we finally start our careers, we want to build research programs, but then we find that our years of clinical training did not adequately prepare us to lead a research program. Through no fault of our own, we struggle to find mentors, and when we can't, we quit. However, clinicians hold the keys to the greatest research breakthroughs. For this reason, the Clinician Researcher podcast exists to give academic clinicians the tools to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. Now, introducing your host, Teosi Onwemina. Welcome to the Clinician Researcher Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy and Ramana, and it is an absolute pleasure to be talking with you today. Thank you so much for being here, for listening, because every day you listen is a day that I can continue to share about ideas and insights about expanding your scholarship as you grow as a clinician researcher. Today, I'm talking about vision and the importance of vision of, of, of um, sharing the vision for your research program. You know, when I started in, <laughs> in research, I had no idea what my vision was. I just knew I wanted to do research. And I was like, just give me any project you're doing, any project, I don't care. I mean, okay, maybe I'm not being exactly fair to myself. I had a sense of what I wanted to do, but there seemed to be many roadblocks to doing it. And so I was just like, you know what? It's not even really about the project. It's just, I want the research experience. Just give me whatever you got, right? And so I'm going around from person to person saying, give me whatever you got, give me whatever you got. And what I end up with is a hodgepodge of activities and a hodgepodge of research projects to work on. Some succeed, some don't succeed. Some I hate, some I can tolerate. Some I really like, very few I really like. And most of the ones I really like are the ones to, to which I can put a personal flair when there's a personal touch to it or there's a specific patient population that's near and dear to me. But over time, I was able to start to think about what do I really like of all of these projects? Which ones do I really like? And to start to give more energy to some of the projects I like and to let go of some of the projects I don't like. So over time, you know, even when you start with a hodgepodge of projects, you begin to recognize more what resonates with you, what gives you joy, what makes you happy to do. And you can really start to curate around that. But if you are not like me and you had it all together from the very beginning, perhaps you already knew from the very beginning that, hey, this is the population I'm addressing. Patients with sickle cell who are in their 80s or, you know, who are older, I'm going to focus on this group of patients. And that's great. You already have a very well-articulated research focus that you can cast a vision upon. And so that's what I'm here to talk about is to talk about the vision for your research program. If you do not yet have a vision, I hope that by the end of this podcast episode, you will have the opportunity to cast and create a vision for your program. I do want to share that we are taking new clients in our coaching programs, especially our group coaching programs. We meet on Mondays at 6 p.m. and We actually are open to fellows as well. So if you or someone else you know is looking to have a research coach or a coach who can really help them move forward as they build their research program, please reach out to me. You can find more information on our website, clinicianresearcherpodcast.com, also on our coaching website, coagcoach.com. 
All right, I'll leave that information in the show notes for you. But now let's talk about creating a vision or crafting a vision for your research project. I mean, for your research program. (laughs) All right, so the first thing, the first thing is that you do want to have a vision. And sometimes it's hard. It's hard because there's so many people telling you what you should do, what's fundable, what's not fundable, what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, what they think is ridiculous and what's not ridiculous. And sometimes you lose yourself in trying to please people like, oh, I can't please this mentor, but then this mentor is different, is saying something different from that other mentor. And you're stuck. You're feeling stuck. And you just want to do what they tell you because you know you're going to succeed if you just do what they tell you. Never mind, you don't want to do any of those things. And so that's so important in really thinking about, hey, 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 what is it you want to do? And I have to tell you for clinicians, it's really hard. It's really hard because much of our training is to seek external validation for our forward motion. And it's so much easier to accomplish, to be successful with that when you are in residency or when you're in fellowship, because you know what? (laughs) Your win that's graduating this program is our win. And so there's alignment between what you want and what the external validation gives you. And so as long as you do the things that give you the external validation, you're able to, you know, graduate successfully. Good for you. When you become a faculty member and there are so many different voices because there's not just one goal, you can get some mixed messages. And so if you're someone who depends on external validation, and to be honest, if you're a clinician who's gone through any training program, it's been your experience, it's really hard. It's really hard to sit and figure out, well, what do I want to do? Not what everybody's advising that I do, not what the the mentor says is absolutely critical for me to do, but what do I want to do? Because, you know, it may be an absolutely Nobel Prize worthy project, but it's not what you want to do. And so you don't want to end up, you know, on the podium receiving the Nobel Prize and thinking, why am I here? I hate this work. (laughs) And just to tell you that most people don't win prizes for work they hate, just so you know, even if it's Nobel Prize worthy work, you hate your work, you're probably not going to get the Nobel Prize. Anyway, but just saying that what you love matters because you put in a different kind of passion, a different kind of energy. It doesn't even feel like working. You enjoy it so much. And so, yes, the first thing you do need to do is have the vision, but not somebody else's vision. And this is so critical and why I encourage clinicians, scientists to work with coaches so that you can clarify your own vision, remove all the baggage of the vision that's other people's visions and create yours because your vision is the most, most beautiful. It is the most beautiful vision. In fact, I'm going to ask you right now with me to close your eyes. Okay. If you're driving, do not close your eyes. But for everybody else, if you're sitting and you have a moment, and if you don't have a moment right now, do this later, but close your eyes and imagine the research you've done or any scholarly work you've done over the last few years of your career, think about the ones that gave you pleasure when you wrote the manuscript. Think about the ones that made you feel extra happy when you presented the abstract. You presented a lot, but this was one that made you feel extra accomplished. You really felt like good work was done. Okay. Now you may have several, just choose one. Okay, now look to the future. This is a project that you've been working on now for maybe 40 years. 
you're 40 years from now, look back. Wow, look at all the impact you've made. What does it look like? What lives are transformed? What lives are changed? What are they saying about you in the news? What awards are you getting for this work? Imagine it. There are going to be thoughts that will come to your mind that are not related. Just let them go. But think about it. What are all the awards, all the kudos you're getting about this program of study that you love, love, love so much? What are the transformations that are happening in the lives of patients as a result of your work? What is the satisfaction you have from seeing mentees in your program? Can you see it? Can you see it? I want you to take time to to do this often, to really think about the future of your work. Sometimes when you're just doing something on a day-to-day basis, you forget the bigger significance. You forget how important it really is. But I do want to invite you to take time periodically to think about what your work is going to do, whose lives will be transformed. You want to think about it periodically, maybe set a time to do it routinely. Set a time to do it on a scheduled basis so that you're able to remember what vision you want, what you want to create in your program, because it allows you to continue to head for the North Star, to continue to head for the direction you set for yourself, the destination you set for yourself, the destination that brings you joy, that makes you feel happy, a destination that brings transformation to the lives of people who connect with your work one way or the other. So in order to build vision, you start with what you want, what you want to bring, the impact you really want to bring. That's where you start. And then number two, next step is to create a presentation. Yes, yes, I'm talking about a PowerPoint or Prezi, whatever presentation you want to do. Create a presentation to share it with somebody Now, for me, I just recently did that with my research group. I said, hmm, it's 2024. What is our research direction for the year? What is the overarching vision? Where are we going? What's going to be the end of this program? And I put together a PowerPoint presentation, not because, you know, I don't know where I want to go, not because I haven't written down for myself or articulated it for myself, but in the very process of having to explain it to somebody else, you're really solidifying the vision for yourself. And also, as someone who's leading a research program, and if you are doing research by yourself, I need to let you know that your research program needs other people in it. So go out and recruit people. And maybe you start with a med student who's really motivated. or Maybe you start with a resident who really, really wants a publication. It doesn't matter. Don't be a lone researcher. Find a team. And if you only have two people in your team, you and the other person, yes, still create this PowerPoint presentation for them so that you can share with them your vision. And the reason it's important is because you're not going to be the one to carry out this vision. You have it. It's so strong. It's kind of like getting married. For those of you who've had the experience, you can plan your wedding and wow, you really planned a great wedding. And then you're going to hand it over to somebody else on the day of, because you can't both be planning the wedding while you're in it. Oh gosh, it's so frustrating. (laughs) And so what you really do is before you get to the wedding day, You share your vision with whoever your planner is so that they can execute your vision while you're on the dance floor dancing. That's the same way with your research program. As much as your vision is great and beautiful, it is not up to you to move it forward. 
going to be surrounded by people who are going to move it forward for you. And in order for them to move it forward in the way you want, you got to cast the vision so that they can catch it. You know, it's kind of like fishing. You cast the bait into the water and then the fish bite and then they decide to either come with your hook or not. It's kind of the same thing. But so I want to invite you to create a presentation for them. But it's not really for them. It's for you. (laughs) Because in the process of creating this presentation, in the process of articulating the vision, what you're doing is making it very clear to yourself where you're going. You're making it very clear to yourself what you're doing. And that is so powerful. It's so, so amazing. So create the presentation and then give the presentation. Because I have to tell you, I did this recently. When I gave the presentation, I inspired myself. You know, you put slides together and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm putting slides together and it's almost time. Don't spend too, too much time on this. It doesn't have to be a perfect presentation, but definitely give it. What you'll find is not just a science presentation. It's, it's you. It's what you want to do. It's what you want to see accomplished. It's where you're going in the future. You're going to give the presentation and you're going to inspire yourself. And at the end of it, you're going to say, wow, this is great work. And it's so important to be able to do that amidst so many rejections that keep coming out the woodworks from manuscripts you've submitted or from funding applications you submitted. But to remind yourself of why you're doing this work, it gives you energy to get up and go again. It gives you energy. It allows you to remember why, and it helps you move forward. It gets you through. So you want to create the presentation and then you want to give the presentation. You want to make sure that you enjoy giving the presentation because the vision that you share with others will also inspire you. And the other thing you do, number four, is to lay out the publication and the funding plan. Yes. So here's your vision. Here's where you want to go. And let's focus now on the year 2024, on the couple of months ahead. What do we want to see published in this area? Now, you may not yet have done any of the work that allows you to say, oh yeah, the results are in. It'll be published next week. You may not have done it. Just say, what needs to be published in this area in which I've chosen? What is still outstanding? What do we still not know? And lay it out. What can we contribute as a research group over the next six months, over the next 12 months? Lay it out for yourself. And then don't just lay out your publication plan, lay out your funding plan as well. Now, sometimes if you're like me, you just wait till someone sends a funding opportunity your way and you're like, oh my gosh, that looks like a great idea. I'll apply for it. Oops, the deadline is six weeks from now. Better go strong. Don't do that. (laughs) Start at the very beginning of the year and say, what are potential funders for our programs? And by laying out your vision, it gives you more clarity about who is more aligned with your vision. Because I have to tell you, one of the things you'll find out is that the people who you hope would be aligned are not always aligned. But clarifying the vision allows you to find people who also have the same vision. And for many of us clinician researchers, it's foundations, it's groups, it's societies that start out funding your work. And it's okay. You know, sometimes in academia, we like to talk about the hierarchy of funding and, you know, it's like all things that brings in more money. It feels like it's, a, it's, it's, it's bigger or it's, it's more prominent on the hierarchy. But for you, your goal is not hierarchy. Don't get carried away by hierarchy. You want to make sure that your program is funded. <laughs> and if there is a hierarchical funder who somehow does not align with your project, 
find the person who does. Find the person who does. So part of laying out your plan for submissions for the year is to say, who are the people who align? And when are their major deadlines coming up? And then you're going to map it out. You're going to give yourself time between one grant and the next grant and the next grant. You're not going to try to do it all at once. And you're going to decide, okay, I'm going to apply to this funder and they seem to emphasize X. Why don't I emphasize this piece of my project for them? And then for that funder, I'm going to lay out, I'm going to submit to this funder. They seem to emphasize this. I'm going to emphasize this for them. And so what you're doing is you're building one big grant, an overarching grant that has several components to it. And you're going to allow this one grant to pay itself or to pay for itself over and over again, not because you're submitting the same grant to the same program or the same grant and you're just recycling it and sending it elsewhere, but because you're taking one big grant and you're you know, shaping it a little bit and it's different enough to go somewhere and then shaping it a little bit more, it's different enough to go somewhere else. So that when you're funded, you want to be optimistic here. You send out good work. Ultimately, eventually, you're going to get funded. You don't want to have to say, oh, well, I turned down this money because it was the exact same grant. And that's a strategy that people do. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the strategy of submitting the same grant to different organizations. It's probably the most efficient way. But also think about how do you take one grant reshape it significantly, change the aims, keep the background the same and, and allow that grant to move forward in support of you. So anyway, lay out the funding plan so that you're not surprised, you're not trying to scramble and lay out the publication plan as well so that you can get your team going and understanding what you want to produce at the end of this, this year. And, and what happens is the moment you lay it out, the moment you lay out the plan, wow, you start working towards it because it's so clear, it's so clear where you're going. And that clarity is really powerful. So I encourage you to gain that clarity for yourself. All right. The fifth thing I want to share is that you want to eliminate vision killers. You know, there are just some people and they're so awesome. I mean, there's so many people in academia who are so brilliant and they don't always know how to, you know, preserve, preserve uh, the vision. And sometimes you'll share something and they'll say, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> And those people exist and some of them are your mentors and some of them you'd like very much, but you know, the moment you present this, they're going to shoot it down. And so what you want to do, what you want to do is you want to minimize vision killers. How do you minimize them? Well, it doesn't mean you don't present to them, but it means you're selective in your presentation. You're selective. You're not giving them the whole big picture. They don't need the whole big picture. You can just say, hey, here's a list of publications I have planned for this year. Here are the list of grants and you can just lay it out. And this is not the passion, the vision that you have before you. It's just, hey, this is what I'm going to do. And that usually satisfies them. But whatever you have to do, you're, you're someone who's very creative. You can, you can think about how best to manage people who may not support you when you share big visions with them. And you want to mark who they are and you want to be selective about what you share so they don't bring down your vision. Because here's the thing about the vision. It's not just about articulating the goals of your research program. It's about building the faith in you to keep going when it gets really hard. That's what this is about. It's about building the faith in your team so that even when it gets hard, they know exactly where they're going. They know where they need to be putting their efforts. Casting vision is about building faith. Faith is the only thing that gets us to where we want to go. Because when you believe you can, no matter how hard it is, you make it happen. And when you believe you can't, 
no matter how easy it is, you will always find obstacles in your way because there are obstacles you bring with you because you don't believe it's possible. And so I want to encourage you this week, if you've never done this for your research program, to just set a date and say, I'm going to give a presentation on this date about the overarching goals of my research program. Don't invite anybody who is like in the hierarchy. Don't invite a mentor. Don't invite, don't invite, you know, senior people or even your peers, or you can invite your peers if you feel safe, but show it to the people who are going to do the work. So I'm, I'm talking about the people who are going to help you move this work forward. And maybe it's the med student who just joined your lab last semester. I don't know, but there are people who are going to help you move this work forward. Those are the people to whom I want you to share your vision with this week. And then I want you to come tell me, tell me what they say. Tell me about it. All right. Actually, tell me how you feel, not what they say, but how you feel having done that and how much more clarity you have concerning your research program. All right. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to talking with you again the next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clinician Researcher Podcast, where academic clinicians learn the skills to build their own research program, whether or not they have a mentor. If you found the information in this episode to be helpful, don't keep it all to yourself. Someone else needs to hear it. So take a minute right now and share it. As you share this episode, you become part of our mission to help launch a new generation of clinician researchers who make transformative discoveries that change the way we do healthcare.